Welcome to Storyboard. I'm Lars. I'm Meg. We like to talk about overlooked movies and TV and sometimes pitch things that we think should be made. So today we're going to talk about things we've been watching. We're going to talk about musicals that don't make us sick to our stomachs. <laughs> and uh, we're going to head on into the pitching hour and pitch a, a film on the fly and then do a few quick recommendations. Pull up a chair. Okay, we are going to hit the highlights of our recent film and show watchings. So besides scaring myself to death with tons of Columbo, I just watched McQueen, the Alexander McQueen documentary. I think that he was probably the designer that when I was in junior high, really, like, I was... Would ask my mom to take me to the bookstore to get a British Vogue. Ooh, and Vogue. Alexander McQueen was just like the coolest, most amazing conceptual designer that I had ever seen as like a preteen girl. Yeah. Uh, so it was interesting to. He's a real bad boy. He was a, yeah, he was a real, real bad boy. And probably unsurprisingly, like many bad boys, had a sort of difficult personal life and a tortured past and had survived childhood um, sexual abuse. And oh, it was interesting to see someone who had grown up this kind of working class kid uh, and then obviously got, you know, the British designer of the year and then was a Givenchy and then, you know, just had a lot of had a lot of personal demons. I also watched uh, Lazaro Felice, also known as Happy as Lazaro, which is the mm-hmm. Alice Rohrwalker movie that just came out. It came out a couple days ago on Netflix and she made The Wonders, which is also centered on very poor Italian farm people. It's not poor British people, but it's some real dirt poor as Italian long as not farm British, people. I think I'm okay with it. I don't really know how I felt about this movie, honestly. I would like you to see it because, you know, after I watched it, I sort of read up on it and I was surprised that people it was really freaking their beans. Like there's a there's a kind of thing people are calling a twist. So basically it centers on this Italian kid who is a sharecropper and he's just this very innocent, like angelic faced creature. He doesn't really talk a lot, but the whole film is sort of experienced through his perspective. And then there's a very surreal part of the movie that kind of bisects it into the before and the after. I don't know. I don't really don't know how I felt about it. it uh takes this tack of using this perfect, angelic, sort of silent suffering protagonist to show how shitty and small and cruel humanity is. And I don't know if that's the movie that I'm looking for. What about you? What have you been up to? Oh my, well, in the the last days of Filmstruck, amongst the rubble, uh, which is, by the time this airs, gonzo. Yeah. So I just try to cram in as many as I could. So a few notable ones. I don't really have much to say about them. A lot of them are just sort of classics and criterion and all that. So Muriel, 1963, Elaine Renee. It had an interesting way of uh, showing time. It just had kind of these jump cuts. So it just like, cut to different parts of like the same conversation. And you're like, wait, what happened in between? So um, I'd like to watch it again at some point because it was a lot to also unpack. So let's see, Full Moon in Paris, 1984, Eric Romer, Romel. Um, Yeah, I love him. Uh, Just gorgeous people, you know, in France, just having um, these really lovely, like, conversations. Like, so I love his movies because they're not giant um, conflicts. There's not, like, war and, like, betrayal. You know what I mean? It's not, like, these big meaty things. It's just, like, these very gentle, like, you know, like, well, should I keep my pied de terre? in Paris because I kind of like to go out at night and party but my boyfriend wants to live in the suburbs and it's basically like I like to go out at night and my boyfriend doesn't and that's like that's the plot and like plot of Sex and the City 3 yeah exactly (laughs) Um, so that one's just like a cute little light uh, Romer movie uh and then I, I'm probably butchering all these names, so I apologize. It's like Tukibuki. It looks like Tukibuki. It could be pronounced a different way. Um, 1973, again, the director's name, I, I won't even go in. It's like Mumbetti. So I, I'm sure I'm not saying that right, but mm-hmm. Mumbetti is his last name. Uh, from Senegal, I believe. And um, so, yeah, just gorgeous cinematography and colors. It's just like a couple, kind of like a Bonnie and Clyde, but kind of a little surreal. They're like, yeah, we're going to move to Paris and uh, get out of this life uh, and... 
it does not work out. Anyways, but yeah, it's a lovely movie. Let's see. Is that and then, the movie, the imagery the, from uh, Beyonce? The Carters? And Jay- <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the Beyonce and Jay-Z. I think I've heard that they use that for, okay. for a video yeah. or for something. Yeah. Um, so on some of your recommendations that you've given over Ooh. the past few episodes. So I watched Wings. Yeah. Uh, so 1966, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I've watched a lot of Columbo, Speak of the Devil. Heck yeah. I uh, love it. <laughs> you mentioned, uh, is it Jillian or Gillian Armstrong? Whatever. Who's to say? Anyway, Armstrong. Um, my Brilliant Career. So mm-hmm. I watched that, watched the whole movie before. I was like, this lead looks really familiar to me, but I wasn't sure. And then if it was like Judy Davis, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. I feel like such an idiot. She has one of those faces. Or she's such a great actress. She's and malleable. She has one of those, yes. Like, yeah. kind of like Melissa Leo. Mm-hmm. It's like, she, I will watch a whole movie and like just happen to not, who's, not know who's starring in it. And at the end, I'm like, that was... Judy Davis, that was Melissa Leo. Like, they're just chameleons. They just, like, disappear into the role. And so, anyway, I did not... I did guess I did, didn't see that at the beginning, um, that it was Judy Davis. And it was a little surprise, surprise. at the end. I was like, oh. Like, because I was like, this woman's going to be a star. Like, what happened to her? <laughs> sure enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, one of your uh, picks that you've mentioned before, Shirkers. <gasps> so, now we can finally have we a discussion. We can talk about Shirkers. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so 2018, Sandy Tan is the director of... The original Shirkers and current. Um, so it's on Netflix right now. If mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it, you could just you gotta see you it. gotta see you it. You gotta see it. You might wanna skip this portion. Yeah, if you don't want spoilers. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. It's a documentary. I mean, the thing happened. Yeah, Sheesh. like we're gonna spoil life and reality. Yeah. Basic premise is that Sandy Tan, a teen, late teens girl, uh, growing up in Singapore in the early 90s and her two closest friends and then a group of friends around them made a film beautiful films yeah kind of under the not I don't want to say direction of but they had a film teacher who was Mm -hmm. this American guy looming over them who Mm -hmm. said that he would direct and then at the end of filming he absconded with all of the film yeah and it was lost for decades Mm -hmm. It's a real heartbreaker. I know, because, like, you're so in love with, like, the girls. And, like, first of all, I wish I was that cool when I was a kid. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, like, they're, like, they're, like, writing, like, doing zines and, like, watching, like, bootleg copies of, like, all yes. these, like, films. And I'm, like, I wish I was that cool when I was a kid. Uh, I was just, just watching beautiful col- the nanny and I don't making. know what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Oh. So I, I basically am jealous of these girls overall. Just, like, their friendship and, like, yeah. their whole style. And their wherewithal to be able to make a really inventive, lovely movie. Mm-hmm. And then, so you're all in love with that. And, and it's all nostalgia, for, you know, for the, yeah, the early for, 90s and, and all for, that. And for Singapore as it was then, because oh, just, they mentioned the film. Yeah. It's so different now. Yeah. It's it's really an artifact of mm. Singapore at that time, right yeah. before the 90s boom. Yeah. And then, you know, you have this traumatic event. <sighs> And then the guy, I just, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how to, like, get into, like, how much I hate that guy. Yeah. And it disturbs me that he is so, uh, I don't know, I mean, I don't want to throw around terms, but, you know, like a sociopath yeah. or psychopath or whatever that he would, like, and then obviously there were other, we learned about other instances where he'd, like, oh, yeah, like, he just sort of destroyed this thing, like, that I was working on, and I never got to finish it properly, so I was, like, so, yeah. it, you know, he did it with other He did it with other mentees, yeah. yeah. And the fact that the world was robbed of that film mm-hmm. because, spoiler alert or whatever, but, like, he... So she found the, the film later on, thank God. Mm-hmm. She found the all the reels. He, decades he made, later. Yeah, yeah, decades later, managed to hang on to. But then the soundtrack, all of the recorded sound, sound was gone. He threw it away yeah. or whatever. I mean, part of me is like, I mean, can we still just, like re-record it and release it yeah. and just kind of be like, it's restored? Because I would love to see it in its entirety. So um, that guy, I, I just, I'm sick to my stomach that the world was robbed of an important, gorgeous film and and also that those girls were robbed of, like, their dues, mm-hmm. their, like, a career. I mean, obviously they went on, thank God, again, to, like, they all do great really careers interesting in things. films. Yeah, which is, you know, amazing. But also but... they could have been held up as, like, these amazing yeah. young filmmakers and... And because you see scenes, you know, because as you're watching the documentary, you're, you realize she must have some footage, you know, before you realize she recovers it. And you see some scenes that you yeah. think, wow, that's so ahead of its time. Yeah. 
that this yeah, man I, basically felt that the way that he could control uh, makes my blood creativity, boil. yeah, among these young women who trusted him, yeah. was to dominate the situation and then just t- just rob them of it, just take it with, yeah. take it away. And not even like, I mean, I'm just saying, there's so many other variations of like a reality where he could have been like, hey, I made this and took credit took for credit, it, kind of like yeah. a Colette, you know, right, that, right, um, author. It's like that's a scenario that we've seen before. So it's weird that he wouldn't just kind of release because he it. was the director and like so, he had all the material. Really so I'm strange. sort of like, I mean, I he, there's I, a pathology involved. Not that I want involved. that to happen. Right, I'm right. just saying. At least then we would have, like, a version yeah. of the film with sound. I don't know. So, and then they could have been like, oh, fuck yeah. you. No, we made this. Um, it's yeah. just kind of weird to me that he would just, like, bury it away like a little scavenger. It's true. I don't know. It's just And it's, it's interesting watching it from 2018 eyes because, you know, there yeah. are aspects of it early on where you're like, do not trust this man. Yeah. Red alert. Without even knowing anything about the film, when I watched it just cold, I was like, don't trust this guy. Like, yeah, oh, he's a predator. I know. I know, um, I'm kind of yelling through the screen. I'm like, girl, don't trust him. Don't leave him with your <laughs> precious film. Don't go on a cross-country road, road trip. trip. Oh, <laughs> made me sick. Uh, but I think one of the things that is not, because it's not a documentary just about this guy and what he did. Thank God. We I should know. be clear that it is also, Ugh. I think, a really interesting document about friendship and how difficult yes. uh, mm-hmm. women's friendships can be, especially mm-hmm. among young women who are all very intelligent and creative. And I heard an interview that Sandy Tan did uh, with Film Comment. She did like a live show and she did an interview with them and she really emphasized that part that, you know, she and her friend Jasmine Ng especially had a very difficult, contentious relationship and that comes through in the film. Yeah, that I was like the thing that she doesn't edit that out. No, She's she like, doesn't. Yeah. Oh, and that was something else interesting that uh, she said in her interview that she couldn't afford much. Her first editor on this documentary film, she couldn't afford much. So it was this young guy who did mostly skate films and at a certain point in the editing process, he was resisting her because he didn't want her to leave in stuff that made her look bad. Mm. And she said she ended up going with a woman who let her leave that difficult stuff in. Mm-hmm. And she said, women are so much better at being really brutal with ourselves and really ruthless. <laughs> and yeah. I think there's a kernel of truth to that, that mm-hmm. his impulse, that editor, it wasn't mm-hmm. his project, but his impulse was, well, you can't put in anything that makes you look like difficult or, or a difficult or, friend. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it looked like it, I mean, hopefully it was cathartic for her and for all of them. Yeah. Sorry, just one quick thing that I just remembered is when she was like, oh yeah, like we filmed all day and filmed all these difficult things. And then he's like, there's no film <gasps> in the camera. And I was like, I just honestly was like, oh, I was like, oh, God. At I was that just moment, like, I was I like, like, ding, 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 red flag, oh, yeah. city, um, get the fuck out of there, because that is psycho time. Yeah, <laughs> well, and there was a part of me watching the documentary, I thought, does she just have weird B-roll that someone else filmed and he never was filming? There was no no film in the camera the entire time. I had that thought throughout the film. So it's definitely... Like, to what end, dude? Hopefully what we're left with is that these women now have a higher profile and can actually get more funding to make the stories that they've been wanting to make is what I hope is the outcome that this is just the beginning for them so this episode um we're going to talk about notable I don't know if we'd say musicals music movies so since that is a difficult subject it's for real, Meg, it's a real tough um, one for we me. thought we would actually just go deeper into it, into yeah. those wounds, and find <laughs> it's very therapeutic. Find, yeah, exercise. It's um, gonna work through our our trauma and um, our musical <laughs> our musical trauma, trauma. Uh, all, uh, well, I guess you haven't seen *A Star Is Born*. <laughs> well, yeah. I've seen I've seen the '50s one and the '70s one. I have I not seen to see the '70s one. Yeah, actually. I haven't seen them. But Filmstruck is dead now, so I don't know where we're going to find that. <laughs> so I was just thinking, okay, what are the different kinds of musicals? As I was going through, because I was trying to ca- cast a really wide net as I was looking and trying to find those deep cuts. So I was like, obviously, like, musical musicals. Um, like, I mean, I hate the sound of music, but that's the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. You know, just yeah. sing along. Just yeah. a sing along. And uh, then, like, music biopics, so kind of like Bohemian Rhapsody. And then, like, there's, like, filmed um, concerts, like... What's that Talking Heads one? Uh, Stop Making Sense? Oh, yeah. And then I feel like there's... And then there's just, like, dramatic movies that feature a lot of music and a mm-hmm. lot of, like, uh, let's start a band kind of movies. Mm-hmm. And in my list, I think I gravitated more towards the let's start a band narrative. So my first one is Linda, Linda, Linda from 2005. 
directed by uh, Nobuhiro Yamashita. And it's three uh, Japanese school-age girls um, that... Want it's a to... Korean exchange. Do yeah, you know so they like they want to. Uh, I was gonna say it's it's a battle of the bands, but there's basically a cultural festival that they want to play, and they're like, we need a lead singer, and like the first person we see walk by, we're gonna you know, and so it ended up being a Korean exchange student. So um, it's Duna Bay, I believe. I'm not sure. So basically, across the board from till the end of time, there's a big asterisk of I'm sorry, I'm butchering this name. I'm doing my best, well-intentioned. Yes. Um, so she was in a lot of uh, Bong Joon-ho films and Cloud Atlas and Sense8, which I haven't seen the latter two things. But. So there is a band called uh, Blue Hearts, and there's a Japanese punk band from like 1985 to 1995. And so they are a Blue Hearts cover band. And so one of their songs is Linda mm-hmm. Linda. And so it's basically just, you know, girls just kind of doing their thing. There's some drama and they're practicing and then they're playing the show. And so, I don't know, it's just lovely. It's a really, I actually yeah. have seen the movie and enjoyed it. So yeah. that counts as a music movie. Check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thumbs up. Yep. Get two that thumbs up. That gets the mega approval. <laughs> yeah. Silver approval. Um, yeah, so I, I guess I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just lovely. Like, what's uh, what's your first one? So I realized, as as I've mentioned in a previous episode, music movies are tough for me. But I did actually start out with a very recent straight-up musical. Very right. proud of myself for, for enjoying this one <laughs> because it is fully like a contemporary musical. There's sud- like music scenes. Basically, when I think of a classic musical, it's you can't cut out the musical interludes and have the story still make sense, those musical interludes still drive the plot forward. Mm-hmm. So this counts as that. Been so long. The director is Tinge Krishnan, 2018. Uh, she also directed Junk Hearts, which I've not seen. She's a British mm. director. And it's based on a stage musical of the same name. And it stars Michaela Cole, my fave. From oh, that's Chewing right. I was Gum. looking this yeah. up. Okay. And Arinze Kenne, who got famous probably for EastEnders, uh, he was also in a uh, TV show that I'll be recommending later. Mm-hmm. Michaela Cole plays a single mom and hair. She's a hairdresser, and she pretty much devotes her life to her daughter who uses a wheelchair. And her sister drags her out for a night on the town mm-hmm. at their favorite bar, and she meets Arinze Kenny's character. And he's just been released from prison, so he's having kind of this lonely time, just mm-hmm. adjusting to life on his first night out. Like mm-hmm. all his friends moved on without him, and. One thing I really liked about this movie is that even though it's set in, you know, working class neighborhood, it's set in Camden in North London, it doesn't put on like level on the grime. It's not like a Les Mis situation, Mm -hmm. but it's also not like totally, you know, washing everything with some kind of rainbow color. It makes, Mm -hmm. it takes very realistic situations, realistic people, and it just makes them a little more luminous and Mm -hmm. they stay relatable, but it's just like a fun, a fun musical. The music is more R and B, so that's probably why I liked it a lot more mm-hmm. than I normally do. Mm-hmm. And Michaela Cole can really sing. <gasps> can she? She Ooh. really can. You know, okay. she sang the chewing gum theme, so I knew she could. Uh-huh. But she really has some great pipes, oh, and it's a right. very sexy. It's a very Ooh. sexy, sexy movie. So, yeah, um, highly recommend on Netflix now. So my next one is, um, so I, like yesterday, I was just trying to cram in a couple of last minute ones and I found a couple of gems. So what's love got to do with it? And I uh, I remember when it came out and all that kind of stuff. And I never watched it until last night. So 1993, obviously it's about um, Mike and uh, Mike, Mike and Ike's. It's about, it's a a candy musical. (laughs) What's candy got to do with it? Hey, no, like we're, that's, that's pretty good. It's like Uh, that horrible M&M's commercial. Mike and Ike's. Okay, we're keeping that in, actually. Um, <laughs> it's about Tina and Ike Turner. And so, obviously, trigger warning, there is a lot of, like, domestic yeah. abuse. And apparently, it's the G-rated version of what happened, and it actually was a lot worse yeah. in real life. So, if you want to fast forward through that, you know, sure, go for it. Because, really, I'm in it for wigs. I'm in mm. it for uh, Angela Bassett, generally. Yeah. And then her, her legs. I mean, just her legs, her ripped arms. I was like... Ugh, anyways, gorgeous, gorgeous outfits, and I mean Lawrence Fishburne. I mean he he does a good villain because I'm like I hate him, 
So, and he, the one scene, sorry, he's wearing like a page boy wig kind of situation. <laughs> I don't even know what you'd call it. It's almost like Friar Tuck page boy. Prince but Valiant? With, but like not like shaved on top. It's just oh, like yeah. a little, what would you call that? I don't know. It's like a bowl Prince cut Valiant. mixed, yeah, uh, mixed with like, yeah, page boy. And he's wearing like this like Peter Pan. I don't even know how to describe it outfit. It's pretty great. It's really hard to take him seriously as like, sorry, but as an abuser, I'm like, you're going to have to change your outfit because you have... <laughs> Anyway, I'm, I'm ready sorry. to kick your ass. Sorry, yeah, I was like, I'll kick your ass right now. So Tina Turner wrote a book called I, Tina. And, like, this was some of the research I did. Like, so she wrote a book with Kurt Loder. Oh, of, MTV of News. MTV. Yeah. So they, like, co-wrote her autobiography. And so cool. he co-wrote, I, I don't know if he co-wrote the screenplay, but he was involved in the writing process mm-hmm. of, like, of that. And so, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So Brian Gibson directed it, and he will come up later in my mm. list. I um, found another movie by him that was very interesting. So it's kind of weird, like, with biopics, because even though she was involved with so much of it, and she actually ended up singing, uh, Angela Bassett was like, I could have sung, but there just wasn't enough time. She had, like, a mm-hmm. month to prepare. So um, Tina does do the singing. She sings, like, different tracks, so it's kind of, like, seems like Ooh. a live recording yeah. as she's going along. So, uh, but Angela Bassett does an amazing, just, just great, like, dancing and, like, body work, and she's just really um, is giving off Tina Turner vibes and it's I don't know so it ends up being really empowering like I said I wish there was apparently a little more truth to some of the things because mm. Tina Turner was like well it wasn't exactly accurate mm. um but I'm in it for Angela Bassett yeah for outfits for wigs so definitely worth a watch hell yeah, yeah. get get juiced up private Ooh. dancer yeah Lawrence Fishburne plays a hero in oh. my next film which it does qualify as a musical, technically. People call it a musical comedy, but I was surprised when this came up on a list because I loved this movie and I didn't remember it being a music movie. Mm. School Days, Spike Lee, 1988, and it's set at an HBCU, a historically black college, university, and it features a number of people from the cast of A Different World. So there's kind of like a cool Ooh. crossover there. And Lawrence Fishburne plays a student activist who is working to have his college uh, divest from South Africa. So it's the late 80s, Mm. so it's really that time the anti-apartheid activism Mm. was a big part of a lot of college campuses. And Spike Lee actually co-stars in the movie as Mm. Lawrence Fishburne's cousin, who's rushing a fraternity, Mm. which is headed up by... Giancarlo Esposito, also Ooh. known as Gus in Breaking Bad. Yeah. So he's really good at playing a villain. He's a real, he's like a college bully villain in this, ooh. like, ooh, evil frat guy. <laughs> and the plot really revolves around generational differences relating to activism and colorism on college campuses, which really ties into the Greek system. And something I really liked about the movie, and I think this is in line with a lot of early Spike Lee movies, is that... This is a movie about black people, about black college life for black audiences. It's mm-hmm. not trying to overexplain stuff for a white audience. Mm-hmm. And perhaps the most notable song in the film is Da Butt, which plays <laughs> over a pretty banging swimsuit party scene. <laughs> so speaking of, for my last pick, uh, the director, Brian Gibson, I believe he's a Brit. He did a lot of stuff for, like, BBC, I think. Um, so, 1980, a movie called Breaking Glass. So, I'd never mm. heard of it. And as I was researching um, what's love got to do with it, I was like, oh, what's this? And yeah. it was like, oh, a female-led punk group, you know, find success. And I was like, uh, hello. Yeah. 1980, like, new wave punk. Yeah. I was like, with a female-led singer, I was like, okay. So, so sign me up. So, um, also a little note, it is produced by Dodie uh, Fayed. So, Princess Di. I know, I kind of forgot. Like, oh, yeah, I guess he was like a producer of movies. Oh. I don't really know his whole deal. I really but, don't but know I was anything just like, about him. Oh, hey. So, um, yeah, played by uh, the lead singer is Hazel O'Connor. She also wrote and performed the songs. And I will say that it's not the most... How do I say this? Like woke of like one of the songs. It's like it's one of those like well meaning, but I'm yeah. like it, I won't go into it. But you'll know when you hear it. It's not like it's just more of a cringe. It's not like oh boy. In 1980, this was because she's basically singing this song that's like I can't remember exactly, but basically like I'm the black man and you're the oh. you know and like I'm like basically like it was like a pro. It's meant to be a protest song. Right. So I'm like she means well in 1980 and she's singing it to um neo-nazis so she's kind of thinking she's like oh boy yeah. i'm really showing them ah, but it's still a white woman centering herself in like that 
oppression story, right? Like yeah, she's kind so of being a like even though classic I will white, say I don't think there is I don't believe there is any characters of color that I'm thinking of. So I think she's basically it's meant to be a fuck you to neo Nazis, but it's like maybe that wasn't the best way to approach them. Yeah. Anyways, it should just been like, hey, I'm a woman. Like you could do that or yeah. do it like from a feminism point of view or a anti fascist point of view. So there is one song that's a little cringeworthy. But the other songs, don't listen to it for, for the songs, but for, like, the hairdos, the severe haircuts for the black lipstick. Yeah. Um, so I would say... Very wa- of yeah. the moment. Yeah, wa- yeah, totally. So I'd say watch it more for, like, the outfits. It does have, like, a good, like, plot mechanics. It's just, like, a... It's, like... It's brief. It doesn't like it doesn't have like a big slog. Some of these musical movies once they get into the like and here are their dark oh, days yeah. and you're like okay anyway. Fast forward. So well, it's also funny because the whole plot is sort of like she's like yeah fuck these like fascists and all this kind of stuff and then she like it's one of those movies where I'm like the filmmaker is telling me that she's sold out and the band members are telling me she's sold out and I'm just like no actually she seems like she's just kind of going from punk to new wave and she's actually starring in these really rad videos mm-hmm. and her style is just really becoming like more on point and she's kind of becoming like a uh, kraut rock Kate Bush so Whoa. I'm kind of like more on her <laughs> I'm- side <laughs> I'm like is she a sellout or is she just becoming awesome so oh and also there's uh Jonathan Price Oh. From like Brazil, yeah. Right? Um, he is on saxophone, so just see, just Whoa. in the background, he's barely even part of the movie. He's in the band, but you got he's your legitimately on playing sax. saxophone. Interesting. So, oh, and also, I was gonna mention like so with her whole like hairdo and her severe makeup, which so it gets like really good at the end of the movie. She kind of looks like new wave Patsy Stone from like Ab Fab. Like Whoa. it's kind of spooky, and I love it. Um, and it's available for free on Vimeo. So heck yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna watch out. it. Yeah. Okay, my next movie, I did had to do a little bit of a deep dive on the internet to figure out what it was <laughs> because I saw this movie sometime in adolescence on TV somehow, and it would, took me a long time to figure out because I was like, it's Civil Shepherd. So There's old. Satin. I was like, Civil Shepherd Satin? I'm pretty sure it's a musical. I was like, was it, was it The Great Gatsby? What's happening? But I knew there were musicals. So. At Long Last Love, 1975, oh, so Peter good. Bogdanovich, who also did Last Picture Show, Paper Moon, What's Up Doc, and it stars Sybil Shepard as an heiress mm-hmm. down on her luck. Burt Reynolds is like an heir still still in the Ritz. <laughs> and Madeline Kahn is a singer. And Eileen Brennan, who is, um, is my favorite part of yeah. the movie, she's Sybil's assistant maid. She's um, a brassy broad. She's a, she's a real brassy broad. And then she was in Clue later on with Madeline Kahn. That's like a weird connection. Mm. Um, and then John Hillerman, who was in Chinatown and Blazing Saddles, is, I don't know how you describe him, a man's servant. <laughs> is that a, a man's is man. That a, a gentleman's gentleman. No, yeah. uh, a valet. A valet. Yeah, sure. valet. There we go. That's the word. Yeah. And... Apparently, when this movie came out, people really hated it, and they thought it was just, like, purely nostalgic trash. So, essentially, it's set in 1930s New York. It's very glamorous and glossy. It's, like, chrome, lucite, glass. Mm. And it's really Bogdanovich's homage to those 30s musicals. So, I didn't know this until I was looking this up, that he was a film programmer for MoMA uh, in the 60s Mm. and early 70s. So, he had, like, this very completest knowledge of film, and he wanted to make this homage to those 30s musicals. I think one really cool way that he does that is the singing is all was recorded live mm-hmm. on the set, so it doesn't have that annoying thing that musicals have where it kicks into the yeah. soundtrack. It's just very natural. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure you also loved this. The costumes and the set design are all black and white, so it's that homage oh, yeah. to the old black and white musicals. It's in color, but it's set against this really stark, gorgeous background. And it's just, it's a very, all the songs are Cole Porter songs, so they're actually good songs. <laughs> and it's a very casual, arch kind of will they, won't they, love quadrangles. Quadrangles. <laughs> quadrangles kind of a story. And weirdly, there is an element of, I think, people using artifice, using kind of masks to pass between classes. So I think there actually is a commentary there where Bogdanovich is using this. 30s style music as a way to sort of talk up tackle some of those issues but it's just not like right out like obvious on the surface and i mean it's worth it alone for eileen brennan i really think that her sort of musical scenes are some of the most fun i can possibly think of so 
it's a, it's it holds up. I rewatched it after mm. I figured out what the heck it was <laughs> from my memory, Aww. my memory bank. Mm. It's a little hard to track down. You can find it thereabouts, mm-hmm. roundabouts <laughs> on the internet. There's nothing I like more than um, a maligned movie and then, like, finding it and watching it and, like, loving it. I mean, it's really disappointing when you're like, it's a maligned movie. And I watch it and I'm like, that does suck. I know. That's so disappointing. But, but when now people actually, yeah. I read a recent New Yorker thing that actually people have begun to reconsider it. Okay. Um, Finally. Yeah. yeah. I, I haven't seen it. It's been a minute, but I remember loving great it. Great snappy oh. dialogue, a great <sighs> back and forth. It plays around with those kind of archetypes a lot. I love Bogdanovich. I love his ascots. <laughs> if and, I mean, <laughs> if for, if for nothing else, Burt Reynolds can't sing worth a damn, Aww. but he really gives it a good effort. He, he kind of talks things. He gives it a good college try. He does. <laughs> um, so my next one, in keeping with my previous sort of uh, new wave female-led punk band, is um, 1982's, oh, this is a long title here, so Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains. Um, so it's directed by songwriter, record producer Lou Adler, who I found out is the brother-in-law of Daryl Hannah. Just a little what? bit of triv there. But more importantly, it is written by Nancy Dowd, who wrote Slapshot. What? what? We love Slapshot. We do. Uh, yeah. This is um, a pro Slapshot yeah. podcast. So um, she apparently also, um, I think she might have been kind of a like script doctor, mm. which if I could go back in time and be... I mean, I would love to be a filmmaker, but I would love to be a script doctor if they're like, hey, we need you. Like, you've got oh, Moxie. Hey, kid, easier, yeah. get in here. We need you to punch up the script, mm-hmm. you know? I would love that. So I believe she also worked on, like, the story, you know, because some of those are, like, story by. I think she, like, on Coming Home and some different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a bummer note, apparently she left production early because she was groped by a camera operator. <gasps> so I'm like, so wait, was he fired? I don't know the yeah. story. I just saw that in the trivia. So, I mean, I do not know Time's anything up. beyond that. But I... <sighs> Anyways, that's a bummer. But anyway, she's amazing. And so it stars um, baby Diane Lane and baby Laura Dern, who apparently sued for legal emancipation from her mother, Diane Ladd, so she could start in the film. Whoa. So she'd be in the film, you know, because she was like, hey, you're too young and you can't go traveling off and doing this Oh, movie. it's just like the runaways, like the IRL yeah. kind of thing. It's sort of yeah, inspired yeah. by, I think. It's, I mean, yeah. I'm assuming, yeah, it's kind yeah. of in that vein. But I just love that she's like, and I think they have a good relationship now, so it's kind of weird. I, I think <laughs> I can see her doing like a cordial way, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to sue for legal emancipation so I can be in this film. Parents just don't understand. They don't. <laughs> um, so basically, and also like um, the co-star also is just like eyeshadow. It's just oh, beautiful. Yeah. Just right eyeshadow up to the eyebrows. half yeah. of your face yeah. up into your, you know, your hairline, basically. And I don't know, it's just, it's kind of the same thing as like Breaking Glass. It's just like, ladies try to make it in a tough field and it's the rise and fall. And they they uh, come to like some national acclaim and they're just kind of dealing with that. Yeah, it's just gorgeous outfits, gorgeous makeup. I yeah, just based it. on Laura Dern alone, man. I mean, Laura Dern and baby, beautiful baby Diane Lane. Just, you gotta, you gotta. <laughs> Sounds like it. a jazz singer. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful baby Diane Lane. So I have one more true musical. On my list, 1957's The Pajama Game, uh, George Abbott and Stanley Donan. So my favorite films of his are all seemingly Audrey Hepburn movies. Charade, Funny Mm. Face, Two for the Road. And the choreography in this movie, Pajama Game, is by Bob Fosse. So it's like a real tight choreography. Love Bob Fosse. Stars Doris Day and John Raitt. Who was in Carousel in Oklahoma? He had he had all the musicals yeah, chops, <laughs> and it's basically a musical about labor management conflicts. Oh, yes, it's set. Yeah, it's set at a pajama factory, and the workers <laughs> really? are really literally, it's literally, it. yeah, it's a pajama factory. It's like sleep tight pajamas, <laughs> and they're threatening to strike over a seven and a half cent raise. Like that's oh. the situation they find themselves in. And Doris Day plays the head of the grievance committee. And she's fired by John Raitt for industrial sabotage. So there's like oh. a weird, yeah, there's a weird like labor union management conflict. And it does take a more moderate tone on labor relations than I would prefer. Mm. And definitely you can tell that it's a late 50s movie yeah. in that tone that it takes. Like I think mm-hmm. if, it had, if it had come out in the late 30s, early 40s, it would have had a really <laughs> yeah, different real resolution. Red, yeah. <laughs> but um, it does have some really catchy songs and it does center the narrative on unions and workers. Yeah. And um, there's just some great, I think, I'm trying to think. There's a woman who plays one of the colleagues. I think it's Carol Haney. She had a really brief career on Mm. Broadway. I think her only movie role was this one. Mm. And then 
whoever that woman was, she sings Hernando's Hideaway. Anyway, okay. she broke her leg and then and it, down. on the stage, <laughs> just <laughs> set it at the glue factory. <laughs> yeah. No, she broke her leg during the stage version and then Shirley MacLaine <gasps> took her place. And then that was like Shirley MacLaine's big break. That's Broadway lore. I mean, it is. Know, legend yeah. or whatever, yeah. Yeah, so that, so that woman is in the movie. Or did she fall? And did, was Shirley MacLaine behind her on the stairs as a showgirl? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my last one is, again, weird sort of long title, original cast album, colon, company, 1970. It's a 15-minute short by D.A. Pennybaker, who did, he's known for like a lot of musical documentaries, like the Ziggy Stardust and Don't Look Back. And I believe it was supposed to be the first of a series of, I don't know if it was supposed to be just about cast recordings of Broadway, or hmm. just basically the first of a series of some sort yeah. for like public television. But for whatever reason, I'm sure it was like Ooh, of interest. PBS. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was the only one made. Um, so it documented the cast recording of Stephen Sondheim's 1970 Broadway show company, which I love, mm-hmm. I love Sondheim, and basically it just has the cast. I mean, as you would imagine, recording in the studio, you got Sondheim in a turtleneck. Everyone is really mean, <laughs> like the recorder people. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I don't know, they're really mean to everyone. But uh, so it's totally worth seeing, just generally, if you care anything about musicals or like in the recording studio um, so is elaine stretch in it yes okay, okay. so she played i don't know i can't remember all the names of all the yeah characters of course or whatever, right but basically she sings ladies who lunch so the climax of the, the the piece which by the way is available on youtube so just check it out it's like 15 minutes long come on yeah um the climax is okay they've been recording for i literally don't know just like a day like 24 hours like forever and so her voice as you can imagine she's all so they already recorded all the the cast you know songs together so her voice is very tired and then like i think the last thing they're recording was ladies who lunch which is very uh difficult song i'm sorry in karaoke no brag <laughs> i have I witnessed this she does a great job <laughs> in karaoke, so no big deal um no i love it and everyone's like what the fuck is this song like, <laughs> I like don't it. worry about it i don't care what you think i'm just gonna sing this song so the climax of the piece is she's singing it. It's very late. You know, she's been singing for ages. And they're kind of, like, mean to her. And, um, and she's just, like, you know, like, she basically ends up kind of scream singing it because she's just trying to give it that power. Mm-hmm. And they're giving her shit about it. And they're, could you sing it this time? And I want to just smack them through the screen. Anyway, so then... She, they're like, well, we'll just record it. Like, I, I guess, I don't know why it was so hurried. I guess they have to get that, that press on the vinyl or something mm-hmm. out, you know. And so she comes back. I don't think it's the next day, but it's like the next, you know, basically the day after. And she nails it in one take. Hell and it's yeah. like, fuck yeah. Anyway, so I just love that. And so it shows her getting it in one take and it's fantastic and they all love it. And it's, it's very triumphant. So it's also, I guess, part of Broadway lore. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Check it out. And it's I, for free on YouTube. I, I am going to check that out because I love the documentary about her. Yeah. That is, Ugh. was such an iconic Speaking movie. And she's broad. Absolutely. Just walking around those big shirts. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> just little shorts and a yeah. little hat. And yeah. Yeah. You just go to games. lunch that way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Ladies who lunch. So my last one is a music documentary because I ran out of like musicals <laughs> that I, I do like a lot of really, really popular musicals, but uh, I. We're into those deep cuts, baby. Yeah, we're into deep cuts. And so I swapped, but I didn't stray too far from my interests because my next pick is Hype, which is a nice Yandy Six documentary by Doug Prey. And it is about the Seattle scene in the late Ooh. 80s, early 90s. And it was Prey's first feature. He went on to direct documentaries on other like scenes and subcultures. I think that's kind of his thing. But it takes place in Pacific Northwest because it's, you know, Seattle-centric, but... It bleeds into surrounding areas like Tacoma and Olympia and Portland because a lot of these bands, you know, moved around and Mm -hmm. had members from everywhere. Um, For Portland music fans, Dead Moon is in there quite a bit. So it intersplices live performances with interviews and archival footage. And it's really just documenting, I would say, one of the last music scenes to blow up and get really Mm. hyped before the internet was just, like, making everything, like, (laughs) a flat circle. So it's, like, (laughs) it's still, like, music magazines and Mm. MTV and major labels and newspapers. You Um, had to work for it back then. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it's, for that. it's interesting to see people, you know, shell shocked in the aftermath of just having like all this media attention on you. Mm. But like pre internet days. Yeah, so now like, we all want that attention. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it traces some of the early days of the bands, and then it follows the crazy hype machine that puts Seattle on the map from like this sort of backwater logging shipping <laughs> city to like the spot where mm-hmm. you know Macy's was like get your grunge flannels <laughs> everyone has a really great sense of humor in this movie and one of the best stories in the movie is that at like the height of the hype machine a New York Times journalist called the sub pop record label office looking for someone to talk about like the hip Seattle lingo they wanted the inside dirt oh God. and they got Megan Jasper who was an admin assistant at sub pop but she's also in the band Dickless and she was like <laughs> that's great yeah anyway so they got Megan Jasper and she was like I can just picture her like in her Doc Martens like leaning back and she's like yeah I can give you some lingo. <laughs> you give me a word, and I'll give you the equivalent in grunge terms. <gasps> I love so it. So she basically was just fucking with them, uh, and then they published it. Like it, there. I will put this in the episode notes. Oh you should really read. Nice journey too. There's a New York Times story, and it's called the Lexicon of Grunge. And they're no. like, we've got the inside scoop. Oh. It's so good. Is this like the 1940s? This makes me think of that. I don't know if you ever seen this movie from 1941 or something. Um, Ball of Fire. Sorry, it's yeah. all about lingo. Totally. And Love totally. it. Except that's not made up, but it sounds really made up. Yeah, I mean, this oh, one I actually... I love it. I was going to say, or the origin of the word hootenanny. Um, I Ooh. believe all the folk people from, like, the 60s, like, made it up, and it was, like, a joke. Oh, yeah. And so I then mean, they ended up... I don't know. I've heard stories. There's, like, a bunch of different... Sorry. That just reminded me of that, where they're like, yeah, hootenanny. It's a... It's just... Yeah, yeah it's just like a, It's like, you know... Anyway. Sorry. It's like a way to... Yeah, it's like an inside joke. Yeah. And this one was... She was just literally making it up, or it was, like, her own inside jokes to herself. Oh but I do God, actually... I love it. There's one phrase that I learned from watching this movie in high school that I do actually use and have accidentally forced my friends to use <laughs> like fetch which okay. is, is um which is harsh realm harsh which realm? means bummer so <gasps> hey now that harsh realm I, it just... does make a okay. lot of sense it's That's... not as good as wacky slacks which is what she said what? they call jeans it's so good it's oh. so good so definitely read she really pulled one over new york times has always been dumb as hell that's what this story tells us <laughs> I'm sorry. We're going to cut out all just, this just cackling. <laughs> studiously writing down like, uh-huh, wacky slacks. Roger that. <sighs> okay, okay. Good, 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 good. Okay. Harsh realm. Harsh realm sounds like real. Almost I know. I use it. Re- I know. I'm going to use You've probably literal use it. These. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You know what time it is, or you probably don't. It's time for the pitching hour. Or season of the pitch. Or email us with a better name. (laughs) So, if you're wondering what that is, and you might be because we've never actually explained it before, (laughs) we've realized. (laughs) Essentially, the two of us each bring two top secret elements unknown to one another to the table right now and based on those two elements we pitch an original idea for a film yep and <laughs> yep i'm looking at you right. like is that yep. what we do that's, that's, <laughs> that's about yeah. right no. <laughs> so my two elements are and i'm actually already going to bleed this into almost three elements so i'm breaking our <laughs> rules whatever so i want to see a political black comedy a la Armando Iannucci, so he directed In the Loop, Think mm-hmm. of It, Death of Stalin. Or, so it could be a, like, mm-hmm. In the Loop mm-hmm. type thing, or similar about the reign of terror during the French Revolution. <laughs> okay. So those right. all think right. those could work together. Okay, okay. I'm leaving it a little that loose can, because yeah, I didn't yeah, know what you work. had. Yeah. And my actor is Riz Ahmed, who was in Rogue One. Oh. He's in Venom, which is apparently not super good, but he's a great actor. He was in The Night Of. He actually won an Emmy for Night Of. Oh, did he? Yeah. yeah. And my second actor, I just had to put him out there because oh. I love him so much, is Wallace Shawn from My Dinner with Andre, <laughs> Princess Bride, and Things. I just saw him in an episode mm. of SVU last you night. You just wanted, like, a hunk. So <laughs> Wallace Shawn, I love him. He's just, like, he charms me so much. Yeah. I just want to, like... Have him in my neighborhood and like run into him at the bookstore. 
Well, that's interesting because I think that will work perfectly with my um, my addition, which is Holly Hunter. Okay. I just I, yeah. I want to see her. I just yeah. want to see her in something. And my um, my wild card is I wanted the climax of whatever film they were pitching to end in like a oh, I said in like a cal- uh, cabin or like a chalet or something and like on a rainy night. So I was of course Ooh. I don't we keep pitching mysteries, but anyway, so <laughs> cool there's mystery. some sort of climax and political Ooh, like there's an thing. intrigue. No, I okay, like okay, this. Okay, okay, Holly Hunter is okay. the candidate, right? She Ooh, is like a political yeah. leader okay. candidate. So what mm-hmm. it's gonna be is it'll be like an allegory for the French Revolution, maybe, right? Oh, or like sure. some kind of like insurrection, mm-hmm. right? Against so okay. like she's the candidate. And Riz Ahmed is like her really slick, sexy, like, you know, like the young Beto O'Rourke type advisor, you know? He's like <laughs> yeah. on his he's like on his smartphone. Yeah. He's got like he's all his Blackberry. Sorry. Yeah, he's he's pilot. It's actually set in 2008. It's set in 2008. <laughs> it's actually two tin cans and a string and they're talking to yeah. each other. Sorry. And then Wallace Shawn is like the older seasoned mm. advisor who's yeah. like more the like a feet intellectual. Yeah. But they're on a retreat to really like Ooh, maybe she's just had some kind of scandal and they've mm-hmm. retreated Ooh, no, to like, like a Camp David kind of situation. Yeah, like yeah. they're going to kind of like gather, triage, figure out yeah. what the hell she's going to do yeah. because something really like some scandal has happened. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it could even be like maybe she has some no good husband who like did something bad. Okay. But then there's like yeah. a danger element maybe in like the chalet. Is that what you're? Yeah. I definitely wanted like, I just imagine like the clap of thunder and yeah. there's rain. It's sort of basically like Miss Fisher's murder mysteries. <gasps> yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's some sort of revelations. I just, here's my whole thing. I love in a movie, in Living in Portland, I kind of miss like um, thunder. Mm. That happened a lot. It sounds weird. Yeah. But like, that's a weird thing to miss. But like, I feel like in Arkansas, there was just like thunderstorms. And here there's like. I've literally heard thunder five times. So sometimes I'll turn on like a YouTube, like a like a white noise machine kind of situation Ooh, yeah. where I'm listening to thunder. Because, anyways, I just love like thunderstorms. I love storms. that ambiance. Yeah, I just love it. And like in a movie, as soon as I hear a clap of thunder and there's any kind of revelations being made in the rain, I am on board. So oh, yeah. I just love, especially like at the climax of the oh, there's revelations. I don't know, things yeah. are coming out. Yeah, you know? it'll be kind of you know like the, kind of like there's, that clue vibe where like they're mm, all exactly there. yes. Like, I'm imagining, like, she's the candidate. They've retreated to the chalet to, like, mm. think of what, how, regroup, think of what they're yeah. going to do. She's there with her advisors. Her shithead husband has done something terrible. Yeah. But then there's maybe some, like, element of, like, someone who's after him or that he's wrong. Is this but, just the story of, like, the Clintons? Basically? <laughs> ooh, just like, oh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, okay. There's like, basically, like, primary colors. Yes. Miss Fisher's were mysteries. <laughs> yeah. And um, there's yeah. a danger element, like they maybe they're they've lost power or something. Mm. So the cell towers are down. So Rosamond like, can't you can't. <laughs> oh no, you can't get on your phone. Can't get on his feeds. <laughs> so there's like the internal tensions of the campaign, yeah. but then there's also like, are they going? Is there some kind of actual murderer on the loose Ooh. stalking her, stalking okay. them? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we turn everything into I think like a thriller, which I'm I, okay with. We I'm are. totally fine with. Yeah. <laughs> We're just thriller-minded gals, I you know? know? I just want some thrills and chills. It's all the Columbo. <laughs> the Columbo. <laughs> okay, let's talk recommendations. All right, so we were doing musicals, music movies, and as I was going down the rabbit hole, I saw a movie that came out this year that I didn't have time to watch and I feel like it just came out so there wasn't really an opportunity for me to watch it but it's called Canto Cantara by Carlos maybe Vermut I'm not sure of the pronunciation but it's a Spanish language film and here's the I don't know if it's a tagline but here's the, the little pitch or whatever when Leela a celebrated fame weary and amnesiac singer forgets how to perform superfan Violetta steps in to teach Leela how to be Leela once again and i'm like um it looked pretty cool so anyway um yeah it just kind of had like an almodovar sort of vibe oh yeah i don't know just like i love anything with like memory and like identity Mm -hmm. and like fame and so anyways that looks amazing uh so i can't wait to figure out where to watch that but uh otherwise i just have a couple of podcast recommendations so if you just like want some feel-good stuff there's the podcast called it's that episode with craig uh craig rowan and it's a guy a comedian that has different comedians on and they watch a specific episode of television that the guest 
wants to watch. And so they'll kind of chit chat and be like, why did you choose this episode? So it could be like an episode of like Quantum Leap or Ooh, I want to watch. Yeah, I like which, that. Yeah. yeah. It could either be like, here's an episode I love or it could be like, I've never seen the, I want to see the pilot of Mozart in the Jungle mm. or whatever. And so then they'll watch the episode off air and they'll come back and they'll talk about it. So it's just like a really great listen because also not only is it just entertaining, but you're like, oh, maybe I want to watch that. Yeah. You know? The other one is if you want true crime, but you want be a little classy about it um there's a, a show for you called case notes and um so it's about I, i've only listened to a few episodes so maybe i'm wrong about this but it's basically about like intrigue in the world of classical music whoa so it's basically like mozart you know dying when he wrote the requiem it's like what's all that about and i'm trying to remember all the other things haydn i don't know that's true <laughs> i can't remember all the people i don't know that's not my forte but yeah, it's just basically about classical music and just like the intrigue about because I mean their lives were like they were you know they oh, uh, super relied on like the patronage the patron- is yeah, a big exactly thing. Yeah. so um anyway like I, I don't really have much to say because I've only listened like one and a half episodes but it's I felt so goddamn classy oh, listening yeah. mm. to like mm, classical music and like but there's still a little intrigue in there the so hot yeah. goss about yeah, the hot goss about <laughs> about Chestakovich or whatever. <laughs> How about you? So I have two recommendations. First one, since I talked about hype, I also wanted to recommend another Pacific Northwest music documentary. It's the Poison Idea documentary called Legacy of Dysfunction. It came out in 2017. It centers on the history of the band Poison Idea, who's like a Portland institution. They're got to be the most important punk band to ever come out of Oregon. And a lot like hype, it documents a place and a time and a people that influence so much, but that is seen is not really so much around anymore. Poison Idea's heyday was like the 80s, although they did continue playing for 37 years. Like, oh, shit. People <laughs> could have could saw them up until like a few years ago. But um, if punk and hardcore music were really formational to your way of thinking and like who you are as a person... Um, I definitely recommend it as this kind of special love letter to the people that made a lot of those uh, records. And there's a lot of archival footage. The director is very close with the people in the band and a lot of similar people in the scenes. There's kind of that similar to hype, the ironic local spirit mood. And it was great seeing it on the big screen with a bunch of the old hardcore people like coming out, (laughs) coming out for a night on the town about their friends. Uh, Number two also connected to another movie I talked about. So it's a TV show. I think it was on BBC or Channel 4 called Crazy Head. It was on Netflix. And there's two connections to Been So Long, the musical I talked about <laughs> earlier. So it stars Susan Wakoma, who was on Chewing Gum with Michaela Cole. And Arinze Kenne plays her brother. And basically, Susan Wakoma and her friend are seers. They can see when people are possessed by demons. <laughs> and they have a self-appointed mission to root out evil and save the world. But with, like, supplies they bought on eBay. <laughs> so it's a really cute, updated version of Buffy. But it's funnier. And, like, the romance is more believable. Yeah. And sadly, there's only one season. So you have to treat it like a little mm. miniseries. But Aww. it's so good. And it's just such a, like, such a treat to watch it in your pajamas. Well, we're obviously going to go head out and do karaoke, like, right now. (laughs) So that does it for us. If you like what you hear, you can leave us a rating and a review if you're really nice. And you can subscribe to keep up with us. If we mention something that jogs one of your own movie memories, or you cannot believe we left out your favorite musical of all time, you can email us. Um, you can send us an email at storyboardpod at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram at storyboardpodcast or you can DM us on Twitter at storyboard underscore pod. And you can always let us know if we can use your name or mention your message. And I'll put those links in the episode notes. 